0: Welcome, to Real Estate Hustlers Podcast. I am your host, Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Properties. Today, we have Chad Zindanek. I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong, but it's uh, he's a rocket scientist turned entrepreneur turned real estate guru with twenty five years of experience and has built one hundred fifty million dollars of multifamily and self storage portfolio, investing actively and passively across the U.S. Chad, we're excited to have you on board today. Uh, if you could pronounce your last name for the audience.
1: Zdenek you're you're there pretty close it's good for a first <laughs> run yeah Zdenek
0: appreciate that so tell us a little bit more about you it's, uh you've got a, a large portfolio we're excited to have you on today
1: yeah cool yeah excited to be on thanks so much Josh i appreciate it uh yeah so i've kind of had a a meandering path over the last uh 25 years or so and it really as i kind of look back on things it's really has been like three distinct chapters in my life so the first chapter was um seven years working at Rocketdyne on the uh, space shuttle main engines as a structural dynamics engineer. So super technical. um, Yeah, just super technical, but exciting work. Uh, And then I left that business after I got my uh, MBA uh, while working full time. I left that business to go work with my brother on a startup, which was a, a lighting business here in L.A., and uh, and you can probably appreciate some of the growth numbers. I know you've had some real good growth in your in your prior businesses as well. But uh, so we grew about 2000 percent in 15 years, uh, had 75 employees and uh, basically became the biggest lighting company doing um, uh, primarily holiday lighting in L.A. Uh, and, and then in 2018, I, uh, he bought me out, sold the business. And, um, and then I went into real estate full time. So I'd done uh, some construction management for two years, uh, stint early on, and I wound up getting my contractor's license, did a lot of hands on construction back in high school and college. And then um, so so I kind of call it going back to real estate in my third phase, which was 2018. But I went back more as an investor at that point. So uh, eventually, investing and I uh, ran out of my own money, and then started syndicating deals. And I've done primarily multifamily, uh, although I've done uh, some medical uh, office and and some self storage now. So, and that's really been like the third phase of my my career, which I love, and I've been enjoy- enjoying. And uh, that's what I do today. Nice. Yeah, I've got a um, a really good friend, and
0: and one one things that he keeps saying is all roads lead back to real estate. So when, <laughs> when we we talk about a a business, perspective business uh, idea that comes up, whether it's uh, investing into a franchise or or what have you, it's like all roads is it does it do does it have the depreciation? Does it have the, the tangible asset component? Does it have this? Does it have that? It's like all roads lead back to the it, the real estate factor. Can it? Uh, Gonna be turned off. It's
1: gonna get disrupted. That's a good. It's a good point because I know you and I know a lot of entrepreneurs, and oftentimes the real estate that they purchased during, for their business winds up being more valuable than the business itself. I know that's very true for for my my dad, who I bought the medical building from him in uh, in twenty fifteen and that medical building wound up being more valuable than his eye surgery practice he's still a practicing physician but it's not as worth as much as the real estate so it is very interesting i think it's important to have that be a part of any any entrepreneurial plan for sure yeah. And you
0: saying that, I've never, never even thought of that, but that is true that the business creates assets around you that, that are just not even, uh, it's not even a forethought. It's, uh, we need it for the business, for our operation. And even the one we built here is 15,000 square feet, uh, office and warehouse. And it's, uh, you know, it still stands to the test of this day and it's, and it's brand new and it, and it works. And you know, it's, it's great to, uh, to have as a piece of, a, a growing, uh, growing piece of the portfolio. Um, so you're absolutely right. But what, um, what was the propellant that got you into real estate? Was there a mind shift? Was there? Uh, was it always
1: on your radar? Yeah, I mean, it had been on my radar for a long time, ever since I was in construction, and uh, and I knew, like over the years, I knew a lot of people that had been become very successful in real estate, right? And and for probably ten years, I said I I, I need to get into real estate. I need to get into real estate, and I always I was always trying to do it on the side. And which or I always thought about doing it on the side, which was very difficult unless you do it like as a limited investor, limited partner. Yeah, like that's a great way to do it on the side. And I just, I just didn't know of or think of that way. I'm a very hands-on guy, and I like to kind of know what I'm doing. That's a, it's an asset and a fault. Um, but, but that's how I, how I thought, nonetheless. And so, so I, I, over the years, meeting a lot of successful people that made money in real estate really made me think like I really got to get into real estate. And and the thing I love about it is, is if you make an investment, whether as a, a limited investor or as a general partner, like when you make that investment in a real estate, if it's if it's managed correctly, like that investment should be able to grow over time. And depending on what investment you're making, it should be able to throw off cash every month too or every quarter, whatever it might be. Um, a lot of which would be would be uh, not subject to taxes, would be tax shielded. So there's a lot of lot of benefits there, and and for me, just seeing a lot of people, you know, uh, be the beneficiary of those benefits, you know, finally made me realize I need to get into this full time. I need to stop trying to think about how to do it on the side, and and that's why when I was exiting my business. I I did take quite some time to really figure out what I wanted to do to make sure that was it. Cause I have a feeling this will be my, you know, the third and final chapter in my career, even though I got a lot of years left Um, I didn't want to just keep bouncing around to different things. So I spent a lot of time to think about what I wanted to do. I even hired a coach to help me figure that out. And then um, with that, I decided, yeah, real estate's it. And, And here I am, you know, five or six years later, and I'm I'm really glad I I made that decision. Yeah,
0: you know, coaches are are huge, especially if it's a performance coach where you're you set targets with them and they they push you to uh, answering answering the the hard questions of why haven't you done this or that yet, and then it kind of forces you to be accountable to a coach. And before you know it, you're accomplishing things that. Uh, that you thought were, were distanced before. And like my, I never even set goals or anything before um, really reaching a level of success. I would just, it's a, it's a constant grit and a hustle just to get there. You see it in front of you, but man, you start setting goals and have a coach around you. uh, It's amazing what can happen. And then um, you had said the um, final chapter right now, it's uh, I'm assuming you're in the second quarter, which is accumulation phase. Um, the third chapter is where you harvest and accumulation phase is fun and, uh, real estate, if you're accumulating assets, that's exciting because almost every asset is a trophy. Um, so it's like proof that you're going in the right direction. That's a, another Testament of why real estate's so much fun to be involved with too. Um, when did you realize it was time to start syndicating and, um, and then how, if you could let the, let the listeners know what that journey looked like and how you got there.
1: Sure. So, so yeah, I, I made my first um, my first two investments in 2015, and um, uh, I, I bought I bought the a medical building, ten unit medical building, uh, which my dad had owned. He bought it from his dad in in uh, 1986. So I bought that building from him in 2015, and then I also bought uh, of all things a, a sober living home, which is, is a story for another another episode. But um, anyways' right? what's that those are cash cows aren't they well (laughs) it can be (laughs) it depends um yeah like i said a story for another episode but mine was a sober living home for women and kids so it has its own challenges but anyway so so those those were my first two investments on my own and then and then realizing that I only had a you know a finite amount of my own money. I could borrow a lot from the bank, but in terms of down payments and CapEx, I only had a, a finite amount of money. And I tend to get involved in, in pretty CapEx heavy projects, value-add projects, um, which works out well with my construction background. So I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to do a whole lot of projects before I was out of money. And so that was the impetus to bring on other investors share the investment with other investors, share the risk, share the reward, and really go into syndicating, which is kind of pooling people's money together to, to purchase an asset. And, and that's, that's what I've been doing full time for the last four or five years um, and just working with different, different investor, investment groups that I bring on and put together to uh, take these deals down.
0: Nice. Nice. So your um, what was the journey there? Did you hire a mentor or get with a group to start learning how the how the syndication process works, and and then investor dis- distributions and accounting and all the other fun mechanics that go along with it?
1: Yeah. So my my start was actually pretty unique. Uh, I didn't join any groups. I didn't. Um, I didn't even partner with any other people. I was I was a solo the solo the solo general partner. In, in my first syndications. And um, so I did everything from A to Z, which can be a bit challenging, uh, especially when you first start out. It takes a ton of time. Um, there's a, a fair amount of risk in that, although I, I had quite a bit of experience myself. So that kind of helped mitigate that part of the risk, but the, the workload was really, really heavy. And um, but I did everything from A to Z, you know, working with brokers, working with loan brokers, finding the financing. Uh, finding investors, bringing investors on, doing the due diligence for the properties, securing the properties, signing on the loan, you know hiring the property management company, hire the general um, contracting companies like like everything right um, So it, it's I, I learned a lot which has been very helpful in the larger deals I'm doing now with partners but in the beginning I just did it by myself. And um, and then once I had done some deals on my own, I, I, I look, you know figured out that I wanted to try to do things smarter and do bigger deals. So that's when I actually joined some mastermind groups. Um, I joined the, the Real Estate Guys uh, Inner Circle group, which I'm still a part of today. And I also joined uh, Raise Masters, which is like a capital raising um, group put on by Hunter Thompson. And, uh, and those have been, been great groups. Um, and then I've also been a part of uh, the Entrepreneurs Organization yeah, yeah. For, for, yeah, for 10 years now. So um, that's been a, like a really great group just in terms of self-development and business development. And uh, like I said, I've been in that one for 10 years. So like those are the, my three main groups where I kind of network and get a lot of information from, a lot of growth uh, aspirations from. And, um, but I did it kind of backwards. I did my own deals yeah. first.
0: Well, I like the way you did that. Cause it's like entrepreneurs, they want to, they, they want to hug their teddy bear and not, not play basketball fair at first. Cause you want to learn everything there is about every facet of the business. And essentially, if you're going to put somebody in front of you, you want them to do what you feel is the right way of doing it. And you can't put them in front of you unless you know how to do it yourself. I have the same problem, but I think it's more of a, a gift than a burden in some aspect, but it does come a point where you have to, you have to delegate. You have to get somebody in front of you for it to for you to grow, and that's um, it's just mm-hmm. what we do. And, yeah. and we we don't ever ask somebody to do something uh, that we wouldn't do ourselves or know how to do. And I think that's that keeps us safe. That, that um, keeps us in a position. If somebody fails, doesn't show up, doesn't do something, we slide in that seat and we get it done. Yeah, uh, very cool. What um, what have you learned with being uh, being in the uh, the mastermind groups? Have you uh, has that accelerated your growth?
1: Yeah, it really has, um, and it's it's been great being a part of those groups. Uh, one for the like the networking aspect of it, but two, like it, it tends to uh, compress timeframes, if you will. That's one of the theories that the real estate guys put out there. Is like when you join these mastermind groups, if you get stuck or you've got a you know a, you know pothole you're trying to avoid cruising down the road, it really helps when you're talking with and networking with other people that either a could have already been down that road or be just like looking at things with a different perspective. And within these mastermind groups, it tend to be a kind of a high level of trust. So, so you can get to know each other's businesses pretty well. Uh, People are really helpful and wanting to help each other out. And, and for me, it's like helped basically compress timeframes. So when I first started, I was doing like two to $3 million deals and then once, once you start partnering and being more like a general partner with other people, uh, then I, I wind up doing much larger deals, you know, like the 20 million, to $50 million range now. And, uh, and so those, those deals are, it, it is a different animal, um, working on those really big deals, but it helps when you've got, uh, you know, partners that you know, like, and trust to, to take down these much larger properties
0: yeah that's where everyone has a key spot in the GP and everyone everyone comes together on those group meetings and you've got asset management. you've got uh, of course, you're you are you all managing your own properties? Or are you third party?
1: Uh, either or. so I, I manage a few, but um, a few of my smaller properties. but on on the big properties, you have to go with third party like professional property management. But, but even having like a prop third party property manager in place or management company in place, it, it actually takes a lot of management to manage the manager. Yeah. Um, and that's also something I didn't quite realize the depth of, of involvement there. Um, on one of my properties, we've got a, a 200 unit property out in Orlando and we actually swapped out our, our property management company. Uh, just cause we had some challenges there. And, and that was, I mean, that's a, like a monster effort to change property management companies midway through, or even if you're onboarding, you know, at purchase or at close, like there's, there's a lot of work that that needs to happen. And so from an asset management side, you know, the asset manager kind of manages the property manager, if you will. And typically the, the GP team are the asset managers and and there's just a lot of work that goes into that on yeah. these large large properties.
0: Yeah, it's that's it's the armpit of the business. It truly is. It's um especially when you're uncovering what you don't know, and when you're transitioning over management and people uh, people learn the property, they know the property, know the tenants, and you're essentially trading them out for a new management. And then you all are are new to the project. There's there's a disruption, but it's for the betterment of the project too. In a lot of cases, especially. Sure. If- if it's being this managed out of the gates and we've been there and it's, um, it's no fun, but there is, once you see the daylight, it's, um, it's well worth it for sure. Um, so what are you all currently investing in? What's the, uh, what's the path forward?
1: So, yeah, so we're definitely still very bullish on multifamily. Um, obviously you got to keep a really close eye on debt right now. Um, either through fixed rate loans or uh, through interest rate caps and, and uh, whatnot. So you, you got to really know the debt piece of it. But investing in, in good good markets, I think, is still a, still a great investment. So, so we're still doing multifamily. Uh, we're also doing self-storage, which traditionally self-storage does really well through recessions. And, uh, and there's also, it's just a lot less headaches. You know, you're managing boxes instead of tenants and yeah. that's a totally different animal. Um, so so yeah, we're, we're getting really good, um, you know, returns on self-storage and, and perhaps more importantly is really just diversifying a bit. Um, you know, you just you just never know what's going to happen in an asset class and they all go through cycles. It doesn't matter what it is or where it is. Like there's always cycles. So for me, You know, all my my previous investments were all in Southern California. And then I realized that, yeah, I really should be diversifying a bit out of California. So I did that in the multifamily space and then realizing, well, now I've got a lot of multifamily and I really should be diversifying into different asset classes and and self-storage is something I really like. So so that's what I've been doing now. And uh, just last week, I was actually in Dallas looking at a Class A um, apartment building, 200-unit building, and and in Alabama looking in, at a um, a 350-unit uh, self-storage property. So, nice. so those are like the things that I'm I'm looking at right now uh, with a really keen eye on, on the debt part of the deal. Yeah,
0: and the cool thing is there there is so many similarities between multifamily and self-storage. It's not, it's it, the asset class, and the way the business is run, there's similarities, but self-storage has much less of the, the, uh, the people component, the, uh, the toilets, termites, and, and, uh, uh, we'll say toilets and termites. There's a, and that's a huge component of, uh, yeah. of multifamilies, managing the people, um, you know, getting the, the, um, the, uh, buildings leased up is great, but then collecting rent, it depending on you where know, workforce housing, but it's just, uh, it's, it's work. It truly is. It's not passive when you're, when you're in the mix of it, it's, uh, got to no. stay on top of everything. Yeah. Um, uh, what, um, are, so you all are putting LOIs out. You're, you're still putting offers or are you, uh, do you feel like you're going to be waiting to buy or actively seeking to put more on a Or?
1: Yeah, no, we're, we're definitely active buyers right now. So, um, for sure. So those two properties, um, one of them is a backfill deal, and one of them's uh, a deal that was just put under LOI um, two weeks ago. So nice. And then I've got another another group I'm working with where we're actively looking for a you know thirty to forty million dollar building. Um, and once we find the right building, yeah, we'll we'll go under contract on that. So yeah, definitely very much buying. Um, you know, something to think about for your listeners is, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to say that I'm a, a terrible market timer. I'm wrong about 50% of the time, but, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, so I, I, I don't market time at all. And what I do, I believe there's money to be made in all markets and what you're focusing on needs to continually shift, but but I'm I'm a, a, a continual buyer um, but but here's the thing. Some people say, oh, we're going to wait till interest rates come down and and then we're going to get back in the game and blah, blah, blah. There's too much uncertainty right now with, with the Fed and inflation and all this sort of stuff. But what people have to keep in mind is like, like, let's say, OK, if if they really did reduce interest rates, even back down, to you know, four percent or something like that, your asset prices are going to go through the roof. Right. So you would have missed this this bottom, if you will, right now that we're in. The other issue too, and this happened to me in, uh, in 08 was interest rates could go down, but you might not be able to get a loan, yeah. right? So your, your, your net worth requirements, your liquidity requirements, like could be so high that you just, you just can't get a loan, even though the interest rates are low, or you could have the credit facilities dry up and banks just aren't lending, right? That's very, very, a very real scenario. So, for, for me, uh, I'm still buying right now. We can, like I said, we're keeping a really close eye on the debt, but we can secure debt right now, which which, by the way, are at 40 year averages, right? We're not, the debt's not high right now. It's just happened, yeah. it's at the 40 year average. We were just at very, very historical lows for, for several years. So maybe some newer investors or newer um, syndicators might have a, a perception issue there if they've only been looking at it for last few years. But like when I when I bought I bought a a property in oh eight, my my house, actually I bought it in 09, It had gone down a bit. It wasn't at the bottom, but it had come down a little bit. And the real bottom was like six months later, right? For for my area. And I'm like initially I'm thinking, like, oh, if I just would have waited six months, I could have saved another, you know, fifty grand or whatever, yeah. right? Not not a lot of money in the big scheme of things. But the problem was I, I guarantee I would not have qualified for a loan six months later. I would have missed it. And for the sake of trying to save 50 grand, I would have missed the deal. And now my house is probably worth, I don't know, 600 grand more than what I bought it for. It's a lot more, I, I don't even know how much, <laughs> way more than 50 grand. And uh, so if I'm trying to penny pinch on a market timing to save 50 grand, but then I can't do the deal later, like that, that's, um, it's just shooting yourself in the foot. In my opinion, I learned a lot going through that and, and managing my business through 08. So, so for me, I'm buying, but I'm just kind of adjusting what I'm looking at and where I'm investing and whatnot.
0: Are, are you all uh, underwriting to hold for five years, 10 years? What's the um, time horizon?
1: It, de- it depends on the deal. So, so I've done typically is five years. Although uh, I just closed on a, a fund um, last year where we're, we're planning on uh, infinite holds. Yeah. So at least 20 year holds, um, but the idea is to return investor capital and, and keep them in the deal so that they have what, what, was what we call in the industry infinite returns, Yeah. right? So they're still getting their passive income, but they don't have any money in the deal. So technically infinite returns. So, so that's, that's what we're doing on that fund. And that's like a short-term rentals fund. Nice. But um, but yeah, so I, I, it depends on on what we're doing. It, we, we do kind of vary that a fair amount.
0: I, I say that because I, I know me and you can agree that no matter what, five years from now, 10 years from now, particularly 10 years from now, real estate will be at a much higher basis along with with uh, rents as well. And that's just the trajectory of, of history proving, proving itself. So buying now and not waiting, you're still going, to, if you have a long-term vision, then you're still going to be in a great position Five or ten years from now, yeah. Uh, one one right. thing
1: I'd say that we we do, regardless of the hold period and regardless of the asset class, like like for us, we're we're very focused on cash flow. So yeah. um, it doesn't need a cash flow from day one, but but typically within a year or so, we really like to see cash flow, and uh, and that a is is, is great because you're getting cash flow. A lot of the times, it's it's tax shielded from depre- uh, from depreciation expenses. But you also know you've got some margin there right with the bank and with expenses and depending on where things go. Um, so, so that that's a great for me, it's a great investment and, and we invest for cash flow regardless of the yeah. asset class, regardless of the state, regardless of you know what what type of apartment or whatnot, we, we look for cash flow.
0: I think that that is uh, you're an entrepreneur, and I think that's one of the gifts is is uh, building a business that's that's based on cash flow because cash in, cash out. You have to have margin there to make it make sense, including the uh, the little R and D, the 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 part that you find out that is not the right way to take things. There's always that expense, and and you mm-hmm. you look for better ways to cut expenses, but it not, might not be a better way, and you got to spend a little bit of money to get there. So you got to have some mm-hmm. cushion yeah. along the way. Um, yeah, totally agree. Uh, what if somebody wants to start getting into real estate they uh, they either want to they don't know if they want to be an operator or passive investor what what would you recommend the path that they they start taking down for the listeners
1: well education is always a pretty important part of it you know listening to podcasts like this and just hearing other thought leaders out there what are they doing what are they thinking you're going to hear a bunch of different opinions right that's definitely not groupthink uh, within real estate. I mean I know I know real estate people that are totally on hold right now, right? They're just waiting. Yeah. So uh, you're gonna hear a lot of different opinions. but I think education is really important. Uh, something that's a, probably a little bit more action oriented than education. Uh, I think a great first step is your first limited investment, right? Find an operator um, that that you that you really know, like and trust over time. Uh, follow their deals ahead of time, and then and then figure out if what kind of asset class you'd like to be in, and then make a you know a fifty k or hundred k investment into that, and really follow it. Right, like like if you're following it to learn, not just to make money, you're gonna pay attention a lot more, and you know you're gonna hop on the asset management calls, you're gonna read through the financials or the updates, you're gonna look through the financials, you're gonna really dive into it, and you can learn a lot that way. And you're not risking anything but your own money, right? Um, and like I said, if it's with the right operator, it's probably a really safe investment anyways. And um, and that I think is a great way to start. If the next kind of level above that, if if someone does have a little bit more experience or they really want to get started, they could partner on someone else's deal, right? And there's a lot of different things that they could bring to that deal that would be of value. You just got to kind of find the right partnership that ha- you know, that partnership that's looking for what you have to offer, whether it's time, talent, or treasure. And uh, and then you could, you know, if you know them well, and you could partner with them and become a, a co-general partner. And that's another great way to learn. And then the top of the pinnacle is like running your own deal. So, I mean, those are like four steps, I think, that would be increasing uh, involvement to kind of move you along that that sliding scale to uh, getting getting into real estate.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's great advice for sure. Uh, What kind of books would
1: you recommend? Um, Let's see books. Uh, I I think Ken McElroy puts out some good books. ABCs of investing um, is uh, his, his beginner book. He's also got an advanced investing book, which is also really good. Um, And and I don't know, those are like good, like uh, fundamental evergreen basics. Um, but I do think like podcasts and, uh, and videos, you know, YouTube videos, I think you can learn a lot there. And it's a lot more real time. You know, it's, it's and, and in this market, it's changing like daily right now, especially with the Fed, Fed meeting monthly. You know, we just had our first pause in the federal hikes in 15 months, I think. So like every month that's changing a lot. Lender requirements are changing a lot. So you got to learn the, the fundamentals and the foundation of stuff. But you also got to be paying paying attention to to people that are actually in it right now because it is changing very quickly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right now is uh, there's a lot of dynamics that are going up against it's almost every facet of the uh, the market somehow some way. So it's, um, yep. But one thing is for certain that people will always need housing. <laughs> I believe so. We'll see. Exactly. exactly. Um, Perfect. Definitely appreciate you coming on today. If somebody wants to, to reach out, learn more about you, Chad, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. So probably the, the best bet is either through our website, csqproperties.com. Uh, as you can see over my shoulder here, CSQ stands for challenge the status quo nice. and uh, or on any, any social media as CS at CSQ properties. And I also put out an ebook for entrepreneurs um, which is at uh, passive investing com and that's plural passive investing entrepreneurs.com. I have a, a free ebook there which I think would be really helpful for for entrepreneurs. It's more focused for them I'm trying to help awesome. out my people <laughs>
0: well and, and you know a lot of them are so ingrained into their daily business activities that they don't think about real estate as a part of it of the journey getting there. Exactly. and if you can help them open up their eyes and get that a part of their portfolio that's that's awesome. that's huge. Yeah. Cool. Chad, we, we definitely appreciate you coming on today. Um, look forward to following you and your journey, and uh, we'll certainly talk soon. Cool. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate yeah. it.